a pregnant teen dog or yeah, something like that. that <laughs> 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 My dog's a teenager. She, that's even crazier than uh, like a teenage human, like yeah. a teenage dog having. <laughs> that'd be crazy, right? Like we thought she was. We thought we were done with this. <laughs> I feel like isn't a teenage dog like a very like, isn't isn't that like a grandpa? That's like really old. That's why it would be so crazy. This is High Decibels. Live music recaps in New York City and beyond. Hello. You live music-deprived people, you're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love in New York City and beyond and report back to you. I am Marlia, and I don't have James with me today. I hope to have James with me in the future. It's not the same without him. Today, you just have me as a host, but I am not alone. Uh, I have a couple of guests today, so stay with me for that. Right now, you are hearing Alone Again by Aki Burmese. I hope to God I'm saying that right, who I saw on September 20th at Wild Birds in Brooklyn and who is one of many who I will be talking about today, but is going to get uh, extra focus and extra love. But before that, uh, boy, you guys, Hide has been off the radar for nearly five months, and there's a lot to cover. A lot has happened. We... Have, however, been pretty active on our Instagram. You can follow us there uh, at iDecibelsPod, CR, Grid, Stories, Highlights, uh, at High Decibels on Twitter and Reddit as well. Uh, High Decibels Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we do have some artist interviews via Zoom. We've got pics and clips and discussions and more. Uh, also, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Our link tree is on our Instagram, so you can find us there on your preferred so give us a rate and review on apple Podcasts. it's very helpful for the show and please share this show with people you know who also love concerts raves etc etc speaking of which uh not much of those lately right not much of those and we know why we know why there are no tours there are no big shows there are no festivals but does that mean there is nowhere for live music in new york city you would be incorrect friendo is it like it was is it a bit nascent and a bit wobbly? Yes, but it's fucking something and it lives on because this is New York and so then, so shall this show. Guys, if you're a live music fan like me, this summer has been a struggle because summer is the time for the music scene to really shine. Dave Grohl wrote an excellent article to the point which is on our Facebook, um, but it is no more, nowhere more applicable than New York City and to not have that is a lack. Uh, it really is. But I dug and I dug and I persisted and damn it, I found things. I found enough to wear for the High Decibel Summer Recap. This is going to be part one of two concerts. Part two is going to be raves because that's a whole separate thing. And yes, guys, these are not quote unquote EDM shows. These are raves proper where there's no security or ticket scanning. But we'll get into that later. But today, concerts. And I have some guests and I'm loving it. I want to introduce first to you the man who's been waiting patiently here, my friend Liddell. Say hello. Hi, everyone. How, how are you? How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a long day. You like the beer? It's it's delicious. Is it helping? Yes. Okay. Thank you. He's being polite. 
it's not the worst. I didn't give him a Miller Lite, but, you know. Oh, it's good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, after a few of them, that's the thing. You're like, hey, fantastic. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, I'm really glad you could be here with me. Now, so you guys, uh, as in the past, I have had these episodes where I uh, have brought on um, a guest that came to a show. And we get their perspective or whatever. So that's not just like James and me yammering, but somebody who, you know, just like a friend of ours or whatever. So it's really, really cool to have that. So I'm really glad you're here. Liddell went with me to Aki Burmese, uh, who I was playing early. He went to that show with me. Um, I'm glad you could be there. Live music is a shared experience for me. Um, yes, we went to a show. Where can I see a concert, Merlia? I'm going to tell you in a bit about where you might catch not exactly a concert in the form you're accustomed to. But you can definitely hear bands and solo artists play live. And we will get to that at the end. So just wait for it. But for now, we're going to talk about Aki Burmese and the venue we saw him at called Wild Birds in Prospect Heights. Um, the way this is set up is patrons are closer to the bar. Um, musicians are under a tent at the edge of the sidewalk. Do you know what train this is by, by the way? I rode my bike. Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably like it, it Grand Army like, or something. No, and even not Grand Army. Like the L. It could be like an L stop or something. Because really? it was like Williamsburg, right? Is it? No, no, it was like the border of Prospect Heights and Crown. Whatever. You guys just oh, use your Googles. Um, but um, yeah, so it's it's in it's in like mid Brooklyn, basically. <laughs> um, anyway, the way that it's set up, like I said, the the tent is at the edge of the sidewalk. So um, if you're very social distancey, this is the this is the show for you. <laughs> This is where you want to go for you want to be safe and all of that. This is for you. Uh, I don't really know why more places don't do this. I I know of a couple, but I feel like there should be way more. Like, it's not that hard. No. You not. know, it's like not that hard to do if you have a wide sidewalk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, if you like uh, So Far Sounds, um, this is the vibe. For you guys who don't know who So Far Sounds is, it's basically like these like acoustic shows where you sign up and you don't know where you're going into the day of and whatever it's like unplugged basically it's like that vibe um so uh they have a food truck on site uh sometimes banh mi sometimes tacos they alternate i want to give a special shout out to luke and julian who opened the joint up against all odds and they are giving the public a live music fix that we badly need and for hiring such a pleasant staff um so yeah julian is especially a really nice guy i always see him out during the shows and like messing with lights and stuff and He's really nice. He let me put my bike oh, on his sidewalk Yeah. Um, when we thought it got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it didn't. Uh, these shows are free, but you really should tip the artist if you enjoyed the show. Whatever you can muster. All of them have Venmo and they have a little jar. Anyway, we got to see Aki Burmese. Uh, again, I hope I'm saying that right. If I'm not, just please be understanding. People pronounce my name wrong all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm playing a bit of a recording underneath here of his uh, cover of uh crazy love um can you give me your impressions of the venue i want to know because i've been talking a lot uh and <laughs> uh, i've never been there before uh even before covid uh it, it looked really oh it opened up during covid wait Wildbert. Uh, yeah there was no that... inside yeah isn't that wild they, the whole venue they had planned to open it wow and COVID happened, and they just went ahead and did it. It is wild. Wild. Isn't that great? Yeah. That that's, they... that's awesome. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, it like I, the table set up and everything, I feel like it was like, it was nice. I felt, I didn't feel like 
too close to anybody. It was like perfectly spaced out. There was so much opportunity for um, uh, people to like walk past and kind of not have to deal with any of that. Like, because sometimes if I'm sitting out on the street, I'm like, ah, this person might pass too close to me. But it was it was fine. And also like the street uh, was. I mean, there were points where there was like a lot of cars passing, but it wasn't. Uh, it's not a street that you you can tell it's not a street that usually gets used so much. Uh, so like the cars passing was, it wasn't as frequent as it would have been on a busier street. So like Flatbush. Really yeah, oh my like gosh! That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> There'd be no way. No, it's just enough to like add yeah. some like har har levity, but like not so much that it ruined the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful uh, setup that they have. And I feel like, yeah, the location was, like, perfect. You'd go back? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I loved it. I would I would go back, too. And, oh, also I want to mention, too, for our uh, older listeners, you can 100% bring your baby to this. And, in fact, someone did. <laughs> uh, this baby, like, I couldn't. I wanted to eat this baby. Yeah. Like, it was just so sweet. The cheeks. Adorable. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so this is this is that kind of place. Just you know, but you could also bring a uh, whatever your FWB. Like you could bring anybody to this thing. Um, okay. So anyway, so we're at this thing. We get our drinks. Yeah, da da da. Uh, just did wine. Could have had a cocktail. Highly yeah. recommend. Just didn't feel like it, but but they have them, and you should try them. Uh, so Aki goes on. Uh, okay. So I am looking at his website right now. Um, it says singer, songwriter, funk soul brother, which accurate. And don't you dare say Rockefeller skank. It's Lord Finesse on a track called Vinyl Dog Vibe. So get that right. That's where that comes from. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Right about now. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, fat boy slab. Shut up. <laughs> um, uh, Aki is in the soul R&B vein, and he's very unique in that he incorporates sci-fi themes in his music which is uh you know a, a nice touch they're subtle but they're there uh he is a brooklyn native um he was raised in one of those like jazz and political activism households which is like this is like the same kind of garden that i guess that like talib kweli and nas and tupac grew in it's just like a recipe for future talent like if you expose your child to jazz yeah. and politics at a young age it's like he'll a little grammy award boom <laughs> um i don't know I was not raised on jazz and politics. Um, Me neither. I was raised on jazzercise and all my children. That's a soap <laughs> opera that only old people know. Do you know all, do you know all my children? You're of not, course. Oh, you're old enough to know? Okay. Yes. It was kind of political. They were the first to do abortion and have ladies kissing. So yeah. those are the parts my mom didn't want me to see. Um, but I turned, what were you raised on? Me? Yeah. If not jazz and politics. Uh, hmm. Definitely... Seinfeld and VH1. My my father loved Seinfeld. He still does. I love Seinfeld. <laughs> it is. It's molded my life. Do your parents still watch Seinfeld? Like even now? Because mine do. My so my cousin got me onto Seinfeld. Oh, okay. I I can imagine she she still watches Seinfeld. A lot. And VH1. This was like when they had videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the music videos. Like, what do they even do now? What do they even have? Do they do they exist? I think I think it's more like uh, documentary. Like I mean, like uh, what what's that? What's that called? Uh, like my pregnant teen dog or yeah, something like things that. Things like that and like. <laughs> <laughs> 
and like those reality my dog's a teenager she, that's even crazier than not like a teenage human like yeah. a teenage dog having <laughs> that'd be crazy right because uh, like, well we thought she was we thought we were done with this <laughs> i feel like isn't a teenage dog like a very like isn't, isn't that like a grandpa that's like really way? old that's yeah. why it would be so crazy yeah, no. <laughs> that'd be a great show. i watch it but they have like content like that and yeah i yeah i definitely want I think it'd, it'd just be like the dog like walking one block for like the whole hour, and then people just talking. Yeah, this dog is great. It's got it's got life in it, you know. And it's just the the whole visual is the dog slowly walking to the end of the block for an hour. Right, and then you see the dog like go around the corner, and then you yeah. hear some yelping, and then the dog comes back out, <laughs> and then like I don't know how long the gestation is, but yeah. like what? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, VH1 and uh, uh, Seinfeld. That's yeah. fair. That's why you're funny. Um, anyway, so, okay, Aggie has also played with some other bands. He's been around for a while, and I knew it. He did study musical theater. Yes. I mentioned that. I knew it. I knew it. I was I like, this, it. I knew it. You can hear it. We'll get to it later. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a very well-rounded musician here. Um, and saying soul slash R&B is a bit limiting, but it's it's a, ju- it's a jumping off point. Yeah. Um, I'm not maybe going as step by step through the set lifts as comprehensively because, like, you know, this is a sort of one half of a thing, but we'll see. We're just going to go with it. Anyway, so he kicks off with this cover of Crazy Love. This is a song, the recording that I listened to on Spotify, that sold me on him before I went to the show. I don't know. I just love it. It's great. It's just really well done. Um, I don't know. What were your initial impressions of him when he came out? Um, I, I think, I think even like his whole vibe to me kind of felt like I knew I was going to hear something really dope. Uh, and then, yeah, he kind of like got the audience's attention, uh, by playing the piano, which is, I mean, playing the piano and singing is like magic. And, uh, yeah, once he started singing, I was just like, this is, I, I like, there was a time where I just started listening to like music music just like that i love funk i love soul like it just so it just does something to you i feel like it it brings up you know just just real deep emotions you know within you it, it was like once i heard the first song i was like this is gonna be great <laughs> you know what else i loved about it though yeah. was that piano was like the piano that you would have for like high school music class mm-hmm. you know what i mean yep. it like made me feel so nostalgic yeah because <laughs> yes. like that with the musical theater i was like this is so anyway, so after this, uh, Aggie popped into this song. I think it's called Space and Time. This is where his sci-fi themes are coming out. These like sci-fi themed love songs. Mm. I don't really know who else is doing this, but I think it has a place, you know? They yeah. do. I, I think so. I'm all about uh, going outside of the box, and I loved, I loved the sci-fi. Are you like into sci-fi? I, I used to be more heavily, uh, so, I mean, yeah, still, uh, I don't watch it as heavily, but yes, I'm yes, it's, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. He's a nerd, you guys. <laughs> big nerd, big nerd. That's, a, that's like kind of the only kind of person I want on here. Like, if you're not a little bit nerdy, big nerd, please go. Yeah. Um. So, uh, also, what I kind of noticed at this time is that uh, he's a really good improviser. Which, like, when you have a garbage truck or motorcycle or bus passing by every like five to ten minutes on the street, yeah, you know, that's COVID. But like, he really handled it well. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that. 
that to me f- had it like a musical improv feel kind of like just rolling with it mm-hmm. uh and i've never taken musical improv but i i know an amazing musical improv set when i see it that was great those moments were like perfect these are the moments you guys you guys that you get now on a show like remember how like when before covid and you go to a concert and like there'd be an interruption and it was just like har har and it never happened so like now it happens all the time and you just have Mm -hmm. to deal with it because like these shows are by and large going to be outside um so we just it's we just live in a new world now and this is what it is but it it's cool though because it's like it, it gives the artist if the artist is willing to acknowledge it which they usually are in mm-hmm. the shows that i've seen at wild birds uh you get a little sense of their humanity and like just kind of how imperfect things are you know what i'm saying we all know this is weird yeah. like remember that comedy show i told you about yeah and, and the guy gets up he's like this is weird right like let's just acknowledge the fact that i'm doing stand-up in a park and it's weird yeah with a with a pa system on the ground and like like yeah it's weird. this is what we have to do right now though and that's that's what i love about how we're just making mm-hmm. we what am i doing i'm doing a podcast but you know musicians <laughs> yes. and artists are like going out there and figuring out a way to perform um, mm-hmm. totally here for that. Uh, so another moment we had was, uh, I loved his cover of, Sh- uh, Shania Twain's Still the One. It is her, right? I don't know if I actually looked it up, like, to con- confirm, but I'm like 99.99% sure. Um, that, that was, I'm, now I feel like I have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't have the exact to, confirmation. To, to, to be so confident and then be wrong. Uh, it happens to the best of us, honestly. It's Shania Twain. I yeah. knew it. Still the one. God, that was good. Mm-hmm. I used to work in catering. I was telling Liddell this at the show. I used to work in catering, so I heard this for the, the first dance uh, for weddings exactly, exactly one billion times. Um, but this is wow. like when you're like auditioning someone for musical theater um, production, and they come in and they do a song you've heard exactly a billion times. And you're like, oh, like, this is different. This is a new, fresh take. It really was. Very jazzy R&B. And he has, like, this kind of voice that, like, caresses words, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, I don't know if I'm being fresh there. But, like, I don't know how else to put it. It's like he sort of surfs over the melody, but it stays true to the song. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, not overly melismatic. What's that? That's, like, when people take one syllable and put lots of notes on it like mariah carey that's what that is oh yeah so he did it to a point but it wasn't like too much he's kind of like it was conversational i felt like he was like doing this on the lyrics you know what i'm saying like with with the melody and and playing with it just enough but you could still get a sense of like this is what the song i know what the song is you know i love 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 loved i would get married Mm -hmm. and 100 percent make this my first dance song but only this version it's beautiful i i i felt like I feel like with a lot of like singers, they sing when th- that way that you described. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's something that's coming at me for my uh, listening pleasure. Yeah. But it just like I feel like the way he was he was singing, uh, like that description that you use, made it feel like he was like talking, not maybe not to me, but like to to somewhat. So it was like a conversational tone of like singing that kept you in that uh feeling of like oh my gosh like yes i'm listening right to you and like it feels like you're talking to my soul (laughs) kind of like that feeling 
uh, rather than like some like, oh, look what I can do. It's just like, this is this is going to come at you and, and you're going to enjoy it. Like, you know, like imagine if he w- it was like Salt Bay. You know Salt Bay is? Yes. Like yeah. this, not throwing the salt in your face. Yes. Like doing this. Yes. Right. So it's sprinkling, but. On my soul. Right. Like in your soul, not your not your eyes. I know the eyes are the wind yes. of the soul. Yeah. But somehow <laughs> he that like burns. he gets through the under the door. Yes, with his <laughs> hand under the door yeah. and sprinkles the salt. Yeah. <laughs> That's ex- I don't know. I don't know. Poor analogy, but but you know I know what you're saying. I know yeah. what you're saying. It's like it feels, it feels like he's touching on it, uh, and and giving it a little extra punch, but it doesn't feel like. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel overindulgent. It doesn't feel overly, um, it's not overkill. Yeah. It was really well done. And so like that, that was what made the cover of this so beautiful because co- quite honestly, you know, listen, I, I actually, I do like Shania Twain. She's got a great backstory. You guys should look it up. You haven't read it. Um, but her voice kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> like I like her style and her swagger. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I feel like I want to. You know what I mean? But like for a ballad, I actually like her up-tempo. I didn't mean to make this about Shania, but whatever. If he's listening to this, maybe he'll appreciate it because if he did the song, he must have some sort of at least marginal appreciation for Shania. Yeah. But like it's – she's better with the up-tempo songs because when she does a ballad, it's just kind of – like you know who Amy Grant is? No. Baby, baby. I'm taken with a notion. I know that song. I love but you. And you know, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the thing was still the one. But like this still the one. I was like, I'm I'm here for this is how it. I'm sorry, Shania. Mm. Forget she's like she's listening anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. Um, we had a few more alien themed love songs after this. Uh, what? You're just going to have to listen to his stuff, which we'll link. Um, again, uh, subtle. I-, I was really picking up on his storytelling ability here, which was, that was the point where I was like, oh, this guy knows musical theater. Um, the first Alien song he did, a ballad, if Liddell wasn't there for that one, I probably would have been in tears. Um, I was very moved by the interspecies love there. Um, and then we had an upbeat one and the same thing, uh, theme. Jazzier, he really brought out his belt here. And I was like, I w- remember I said to you, I was like, I wonder what he sounds like plugged in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Like, I would love to hear him full on whenever that can be possible. True. Wait, so, yeah. So, the alien the, the alien stuff was good. The, mm-hmm. the storytelling was great. Uh, he had a bit of a naughty song. Remember this one? Gave me that medicine. Yeah. That was... Whew, that you can was be my doctor. Great. Check yeah. me when you wanna. Like, Marvin Gaye would approve. I don't know. What would you think of that one? Was it, it was weird to me because he seemed like such a good boy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was like hearing my brother do a song like that. I mean, it was like, I mean, even even though I knew what it was about, I mean, it was such a well-crafted way to phrase it. So it was like, I feel like it was it was literally the Salt Bay way of like doing that song, because, addressing playing doctor. Yeah, it wasn't heavy hand. It was like. <laughs> Oh yeah, girl, give it to me. Like it was just like, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, gonna do a prostate exam. Yeah, <laughs> it was just nice. It was just nice and smooth. He was classy. He was very classy with it. Even with there was, there, I mean, there was the one baby, right? So you had to class it up for the baby. Oh, the baby had no idea. That, that baby, that baby did have no idea. But also, you know, like 
the mom was still like, we can enjoy this, you know? Right, right, right. I'm just saying, it was just like, it was great. It was like a great way to phrase us, like, basically, uh, like, kind of like, let's get, let's get going, feel, vibe to a song, you know? It was kind of, yeah, it was just, it just threw me off because I was like, Mm -hmm. because he had, and I kind of skipped this one somehow, but remember the song that he did? Uh, it was earlier on where he was singing about kissing, and he was like, uh-huh. "I might not be the best you've ever known, but I can't practice on my own." Yes. And he's like, uh, and he's like, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a serious discussion about what happens next." Yes. You know, he just seems like sort of like <laughs> you know awkward and dorky, and like yeah. I'm not a great kisser. <laughs> and then he gives into this like you know like s- s- like slow jam baby making song, mm-hmm. and I was like. Well, I mean, if I had had women wearing a collar, I would have pulled on it <laughs> several times. Um, but yeah, so that that was fun. But then he kind of went back to like his sort of sweet, awkward guy thing when he did that song, Just Friends, Lovers No More, the one that I was like my gosh, yeah. losing it during. I love the end of it. <laughs> or he like, like he kicked off with lyrics that tell of a story of a person from his past who he maybe still kind of loves um, that invites him to the wedding. Remember that one, yeah. uh, which probably is definitely going to happen in my own life because life is a bitch and I hate it. But anyway, so then he sings about being alone. Uh, my notes here say, also my life because I'm just a toy to the fates. Too relatable, too relatable. I don't know. Uh, just a lonely bitch in the back. But the, yeah, you're right. So the song just like built and built. And it, it started very calm, like very like Randy Newman. Yeah. That's the you've got a friend in me guy. That's that's who that is, people. Thank you for confirming. You got the friend. You got a friend in me. It's him. So it sounded like sort of like that, like just friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then the song just escalated, right? Like you were saying at the end, yeah. where he was like screaming, just friends, friends! Yeah. Just, <laughs> friends! just friends. It's fine. I I so I related so deeply so that was that song you might as well have called that song high school i feel like (laughs) anybody who wasn't like i don't know captain of the football team or like head cheerleader and even then even then you may very you may have known what it is to be to to go through that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's fine. It's fine that we are. And I was just like, and then at the end, he just like busts out. There's like, lovers, no more. It was like so Ethel Merman. Just like, rah, you know, <laughs> just out there. I was deceased. Yeah. Like all of this. Yes. So, so yeah, super relate. I'm so glad it was also relatable to you because mm-hmm. I was like, is it just me? <laughs> um, yeah, the humility of him just struck me. Um, he's mm-hmm. very open about his setbacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like that, that plays into a lot of like, Again, I'm just making assumptions here, but for me, he has a very much an improv feel, Mm -hmm. and like improv is all about vulnerability. And it's like, like I was just like, this is, and also because it's just like, yeah, like a moment like the truck, like the the garbage truck that stayed there for a hot minute. And guy did cheer him on though. I was like, the garbage man was like, go. (laughs) So that was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So like his, I feel like he's he just puts it all out there, which is. It's really awesome, and I feel like, uh, I mean, uh, someone who is a great, uh, uh, is considered a great Richard Pryor, he, he's that kind of person, and people relate so deeply to that because that's, that's what they strive for, and they're just like, oh, man, like, this is, like, 
you you connect with that person more like you feel like oh man I, I i don't know you but i feel like i know you you know so i mean that i feel like that's like such a perfect kind of trait to have as a performer i agree and the thing about it too is like what you said about richard pryor and i feel like him and um you know like george carlin i guess they're like the, mm-hmm. the two that sort of invented that whole uh idea of putting out your like people have been putting out their pain uh for a long time at least in music and comedy yeah. not so much i think it's just like corny jokes yeah. right yes. about chickens crossing <laughs> roads and yeah. such yeah. but like then they they like they took it to this level where it was like about their uh i don't know like where they like maybe didn't measure up or felt mm-hmm. like not good enough and whatever and then that's was like the 60s but like I don't really hear that in music very often. Like people talk about their pain and show that yeah. vulnerability, but in terms of just being like, I'm a fucking dork and yeah. I don't get laid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you don't see that. <laughs> you don't see that yeah. in music. I that's what I loved about him so much. And like you were saying, in musical theater, yeah, you definitely mm-hmm. see it there. Mm-hmm. Like you see in cabaret. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all about just like, you know, well, just I mean, you are a dork if you're doing musical theater, you know what I'm saying? But like you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's just you you have to be upfront about it, but like you just don't really see it in like pop music, yeah. or, or you know, R and B music. And he was just like bringing that forward and I was like, God damn, like I really hope like, I don't know where you would fit him into, like, the pop charts, per se, with mm. that style. I almost don't even know if you could make a hit song out of it. I think it would be something you'd have to catch in concert. Do you know what I mean? Like, and the hits would have yeah. to be his stuff that are, like, more, like, the song that he did alone again. Like, that was a good one where it was just, yeah. it was it was a, a, a pain song, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, I don't know. It was just it. It had that. Just it had a hook to it. it and we all sang along. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really great. I feel like yeah, that song was super creative. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really, really dope. I really like that song. That's the song I heard. Like I, I heard when when I was going to the show. Um, I will admit it was the first time that I oh, heard okay. about him, and I was just like, I, I listened to that song. And I was like, oh, this is really good. And that that's what got me excited about going yeah. to see it. Uh, and then, yeah, hearing it live is, like, even better. You know, it's really, really entertaining. Yeah. So, you know, all in all, you guys, like, this is just, like, one show, and I just loved everything about it top to bottom, the venue, the staff, yeah. like, the way it's set up. If, if I just had one note, I would say, like, maybe we could put a little bit more light on the artists uh, from the venue. I don't know, maybe some floor lighting or something like that, just so we can see him a little bit better when we get when it gets dark. Any final notes on him? Uh, You'd I, see him again? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I feel like, um, well, also, this is coming from me also have uh, being a dancer. I uh, See, I love how you, like, this is one of the biggest parts of your life, and it doesn't come out until, like, this very end. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, honestly, I was, like, I was bobbing my head to the whole, to, the, to all, the, even the slow songs. Like, I, it just had just that feel that kind of like woke me up, you know, inside and, and it just really moved something in me. And I was like, yeah, this is like, I, this is music I dance to. This is music I just listen to, like just to go anywhere. Like I listen to a lot of music, lots of different music and, and yeah, I gravitate heavily towards music like this. Cause it, you know, you really feel it. And that's kind of what you like 
to be the case if you're listening to music on the regular. You want something that you can feel and that you'll keep listening to. Yeah, I'd definitely go see him again. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had big money and I could hire mm-hmm. him in my backyard and yes. have a concert? That would be dope. I know. We don't have it, but, you know, a girl can dream. Dreams. Um, but you guys, basically, um, this is the kind of show that you could sexy. It doesn't necessarily mean, what I mean by it is the vibe of it. You're, you can catch a lot of different uh, genres at Wild Birds. And, and let me just get into that real quick. Um, uh, before I do, actually, uh, I believe you can catch Aki at Wild Birds in the near future. You just have to go to their website and check their calendar. I think he, he does do uh, Mondays here and there. Or just follow him. It'll be in the show notes. Or if you don't like reading, it's at A-K-I-E-B-E-R-M-I-S-S on Instagram. Um, a couple of other acts have caught at Wild Birds. Uh, Noah Socha, he's an excellent blues guitarist. Um, he performs in a duo with this uh, guy who plays the bass whose name escapes me, but he's he's nice. Um, I think that's generally Fridays. And then there's this other band who I actually think you would like, mm-hmm. uh, Lower Mentality. They're on Sundays. I guess their band's usually called Low Mentality, but yeah. now it's like the unplugged. So uh. like, lower, <laughs> ha. And you're going to hear, like, acoustic funk and Afrobeat, and I'll link to them as well. They're kind of like a, a larger group. I think there's, like, four or five of them. Um, these are all great shows. Uh, so, guys, again, Wild Birds, that's an option for you. Uh, thank you again, Liddell. Thank you for having me. For doing this show. Yeah. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and I am going to be right back. Just listening to Channel T by Strange Magic, who I saw back on September 19th at Culture Lab. We are singing st- straight up blues rock territory now, you guys. And what does rock in the time of Corona look like? I'll tell you. Culture Lab is this incredible nonprofit organization in Long Island City, Queens, which explains why it even exists right now, uh, supporting the Plaxel Gallery. And they do a lot of arts programming, including music. Yes, they have shows on the weekends. I'm not sure for how long, so check the calendar. We'll link you to it. How do they do these shows? Well, they have a fantastic setup in their parking lot where the band is, and there's this old pickup truck turned around, uh, and the audience is sitting down and spaced out to keep you uncoronaed. Um, some people do stand in the back. It's fantastic. They have a, a taco truck in a bar, and it's set on the water with a gorgeous view of Manhattan. Very well done. I am here today to go over the sets in a new segment of uh, High Decibels podcast, which we call Was It Good For You Too, where we go to a concert and have the great opportunity to actually talk to the artist who uh, was there performing to get their take on what the show was like for them. And today I have David Patillo of Strange Magic here with me today. Hey, so what's going on? Again. All right. How are you doing? How are I'm you great. doing in general? Thanks for having me on the show. Love it. You were you were a highlight of the of the uh, concert at the in Long were Island we really? City. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was a lady that was really like like rocking out 
to the right of us. Yeah. Super into it. Blonde woman. I don't know if you saw that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was certainly like, listen, we we were feeling very deprived um, of what, you know, of what's kind of like our church. So forgive us if we were like going nuts, but. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> like the church of rock and roll <laughs> is what we what is what we could get. So so yeah, guys. So that is how uh, we uh, came to cross paths with uh, Strange Magic was this uh, show at Culture Lab, um, which I just went over in our intro a little while back. Um, so I want to uh, I just want to kick off like before like anytime we uh kind of go through the set list of a show and whatnot beforehand we we like to give people like the background of the band um i did do a little bit of research and i i looked at your website um but uh i i ultimately i got i know you're from florida yeah. uh was this like the swamp lands of florida or were you like a city <laughs> it's kid all swamp. or or what like, it's all what? swamp now everybody's like, got a gun and it's a swamp no that's not true there but there's um uh, I actually was born in Seattle, near Seattle, called Olympia, a town called Olympia, which is the state of Washington capital. Okay, gotcha. And uh, my family uh, moved. My father was in advertising in Seattle, and we lived in Olympia. By the time I was about five, I think, we moved to Florida. Yeah. So I really grew up in Florida and kind of got the the beachy, Florida chill, laid back thing. But then at the same time, I was always kind of longing for that Seattle, edgy, Pacific Northwest grunge, I guess. Okay. You know, Do you remember Seattle? Grunge. Like, were you old enough to... Uh, the Space Needle, you know, yeah, Puget you really Sound, yeah. things like that. Um, but mostly sights and smells. Okay. And I remember... And of course, you know, the way your mind works, it's all about those emotional things that happen to you in your life. So there was a time when my father saved me from like going down this hill we lived on a the bottom of a big hill and i was coming down he was out gardening and i was coming down the hill because i was really into race cars and i was had like a big wheel thing and i was coming down the hill out of control and Mm -hmm. he like there was a gully at the end of the street and so he was like you know whoa 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 and like i came through his legs he grabbed me like this and the big wheel went flying off into the gully so Oh, damn. I made it past five. You know, I was an early daredevil. Kind oh of began and end there. Wow. You know, now it just now I'm just a daredevil on the guitar. And... I'm really glad that you lived through that. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. <laughs> so like, so okay, what were you like? Ra- okay, we know you were raised on rock and roll, <laughs> which we'll get to that. But yeah. like specifically, what? What was going on in the household? Like the other day, we were just uh, uh, talking about a different artist, a, a guest that I had, whatever. And it was like all, a lot of these artists seems to be musicians. They like, often raised on like jazz and politics. Like that's a thing. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. I don't know what that's about. Uh, but like, what were you raised on? Like musically, culturally, like what were your early influences? That's a good question. Um, it's interesting. I mean, my, both my mother and father were kind of socialites, you know, my, my dad was in advertising. My mother was involved in like politics and, 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 you know, working for the children's symphony and stuff like that. So they, they, they were very active socially. I remember my mother having curry parties. Like she used to make this curry that I was like, Oh, it's terrible. Of course. Now I love curry, you know, but she used to have these parties and all these, like these, these fancy plates and stuff. And, and we basically we moved from Florida to Palm Beach, and then I grew up in Palm Beach, like on, like pretty close to the beach. And you know, you know, my my parents were involved a lot in that. So I think really my older sister 
was involved kind of in raising me when I was more of an infant. You know, she was there a lot for me. Um, but my both my parents, my father was he was uh, he was a like a, a they were both they met in so- Southern California. So my dad was kind of like um, a, the consummate OC, you know, raw raw football guy. He was a uh, he was a very intellectual, but Are at the same serious? time he was yeah yeah yeah. He wanted me I to be like a pro football player. I feel like the apple fell off player. the tree and just like rolled and rolled and rolled. <laughs> Go on. His dream was for me to be like a great quarterback of the NFL. That was Whoa. like his like, yeah, okay, absolutely. Okay. So, um, so we played a lot of football and stuff when I was a kid and he taught me a lot of things. He was an amazing dad, you know. But um, my mother was into, they were both really into music. They had like a cool hi-fi set up and it was all custom and, you know. So, but they were really into shows, kind of like, Show they're they're they were I guess they were they were more into show tunes and that was kind of the thing you know and I guess for them it was they were probably like forties like late forties early fifties kind of thing and then Elvis they weren't like big Elvis fans or they liked the Beatles and they liked the singer songwriter there was a lot of Carol King there was a lot of James Taylor there was a lot of like soundtrack to Cats you know or um, the, you know, Anthony Newley and stuff like that. There was um, Zorba the Greek, those kind of records. And and then there was Jobim. So there was um, uh, all the Brazilian samba and bossa nova stuff. And then, you know, they were into like movie stars and stuff like that. So I got to like a lot of that when I was a kid, just a, a lot of that influence of fashion and culture and, and heavy on the style. A lot of style with my parents. Yeah. Yeah, they were both very good looking. And my dad used to wear an ascot in the 70s. And, you know, it was like <laughs> super cool, you know, but always kind of living beyond their means. And uh, that's what it is. You know, they always used to say to me, you know, it's like the society. It's like but you got a lot of people that are just living on credit cards and beyond their means. And my parents were certainly doing that all the time, you know. So it wasn't like we had a lot of money, but they liked to play the part, you know. So how did you come to be... What you are, like you just seem like, like I'm still I said, becoming. Like, I'm still becoming. Are you're we all? so different. Like how? I mean, obviously, like you have like these like blues influences. Yeah, uh, psychedelic. Like, where did this come from? What 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 made well, you gravitate towards I, yeah, these styles? Yeah, I think when you like, uh, you know, when you whittle it all down, you kind of uh, extrapolate the goodness from everything. Eventually, you get back to jazz and blues. You know, because that's sort True. of or African music and. Um, uh, I think, you know, anybody will tell you if you get into a modern artist to try to distill what they're doing and where it came from. And, and so I just got back. I went back and, and uh, I was a big fan. Like growing up, I love I, I was pretty much only exposed to classic rock because we used to listen to classic rock radio in Florida. And um, we knew all the classic bands. And that's we grew up like Stones, Beatles, Pink Floyd, um, and then we got, and of course, Led Zeppelin. And then, and then that's where I remember the blues. I remember being stoned at the midnight movie and like, oh, waking up, like falling asleep and waking up. And Jimmy Page was playing Since I've Been Loving You. Okay. And I never, I didn't know that that was the blues per se, you know. Yeah. But I guess I, maybe I did, but I didn't think like, oh, well, he's probably just playing like, a, you know, an old Lightning Hopkins riff or something. You know, I wasn't thinking that way. Because I didn't know. So, you know, we just weren't exposed to it like you are now with the Internet and all these fancy new modern things. But um, 
So you kind of had to find it in your own way, and it and it and it would seep in in its own way. So, um, so yeah, I got into the uh, rock and roll, and then I, my sister was going to University of Florida, and she got me really into all the punk that was coming out and the new wave, and that for us at the time was, it was an amazing time because at that time that music didn't sound like anything. I mean, to hear, you know, the edge of U2 playing I Will Follow and that guitar was like, what the hell is that? Or to hear the Talking Heads or Brian Eno's production or David Bowie's, um, you know, Scary Monster. Oh, that was probably later, but maybe, you know, any of the things that we were exposed to, like even Ziggy, you know, getting exposed to that was like, what? Who is this? And, right. And right. we were always kind of exposed to it by the music, not so much by the image, you know. So we weren't connected with the image till later. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it, 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 I guess, you know, from there, uh, when I moved to New York, I had those sort of a melange of influences. And, and I think when I was, I remember walking through, um, Washington Square Park, and then I just was amazed at how there were so many people all getting along. It sounds weird to say it now, you know, like, because I've lived here so long and it's just, I take it for granted, but I was, I was like, wow, why aren't these people all like kind of like getting in fights and, you know, just not getting along? Like, it's amazing that all these people are getting along. And I was, you know, so I had a revelation and, and that's where I kind of discovered folk music and okay. Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie and stuff like that. And uh, learned about the village and started, I read Bound for Glory, Woody Guthrie's book. And I think I read, uh, uh, I think at that point I read No Direction Home or was reading it or whatever about Bob. And then uh, so I got into folk. And then, of course, when you get into Woody Guthrie, you start the blues starts creeping in, you know, because Lead Belly, he and Lead Belly had a radio show right in the 20s or whatever it was, I guess, 30s during the Depression. And uh, then you find Lead Belly and then you're like, wow, he sang his way out of prison, you know, so that's cool. So let yeah. me find more about this. And then you get into Blind Lemon Jefferson and Robert Johnson. And then, you know, you get into the Texas blues. And then I, much later, I saw a movie called The Blues According to Lightning Hopkins, which I rented on video from Kim's video back in the day. In, in I remember Village. Kim's. You remember Kim's? Oh, yeah. I miss Kim's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. And they had a copy of this blues. It was a Les Blank film that's about 25 minutes long and it'll blow your mind. It's just so beautiful and, and um, eloquent in the way that it, uh, it, it, it's in the way that it shows you what the blues really means, you know? And it's, so it's an interview with Lightning Hopkins, but he's going around his, his hometown, which is Centerville, Texas. And, um, you know, he's going to the barbecue. He's hanging out with his friends. I think Mance Lipscomb's in there jamming with them. He's got a friend on harp. And they're just stomping in the dirt. And people are dancing. And there's, wow. like, kids dancing. And, and I was like, wow, this is it. Like, the most visceral. I think I was always on. That's why a punk rock appealed to me, too, because I was always looking for the visceral experience. You know, like, what was that kind of immediacy of that? Plus, I'm a Taurus, so I'm, like, really into the earthy shit and I am, also, um, so, I am also a Taurus. Oh, hey, yeah, bull stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's not get too bull bullheaded here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, so uh, that appealed to me. So then, like, how did you end up ultimately finding the band members that you are with today? How did you, like, how did it all come together, this band that, you're, that you have now? Strange Magic, yeah. So I have a band called the Dead X's, which is uh, me and a drummer. 
and it's me just playing a lot of slide guitar, like thrashy punk blues. And we did some touring. We opened up for this guy, Ray Wiley Hubbard, who's an Americana artist. And we were in between that kind of Americana and punk blues scene. And then went out to the Midwest and played the Deep Blues Festival, uh, which is a great collection of punk blues musicians and stuff like that. And then it, it just got to the point where uh, the drummer wasn't able to tour and we, we just, you know, and I said, forget it. I wanted, I wanted, I, I was, I, we did two records that are on Spotify. You can get them dead X's EXS. Okay. And, uh, um, and I wanted to expand, you know, I wanted to make a more uh, like better production record. I said, okay, I want to go. That's what the strange magic thing is going to be is this, you know, bigger production, um, still, you know, I can't ever really escape the blues influence, but, you know, for what it's worth, it, um, it's, uh, it's always in there, you know. Where'd you find those, the, the band members? The players. Oh, right. Back to the question. I'm getting like a politician just to take it off in my own place. Um, so yeah, so I first, who's the, so I started this, uh, I got asked to do, uh, a residency. Actually, I got asked to play at this place called Bell Rev in Tribeca, and that was five years ago, which would have been like what now, 2015. And it was March of 2015. I did my first show there, and it was me playing solo, doing the Dead X's thing with a boot box and slide, slide guitar, just just me solo. And uh, it started picking up. And then they were like, oh, can we put a go-go dancer with you? And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I don't know. She ever clothes on? And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. I said, all right, fine. So then I had a go-go dancer, this girl Velvetina, that's now has her own thing going on. It's great. But so we did this duo kind of she was dancing and I was playing slide guitar and blues. And it it just grew and grew. And, and then one night we were playing and they're like, Kim and Kanye are coming in 10 minutes. And, and we were like, what? You know? And literally there were two people in the bar that were listening to me playing and her dancing, seeing her dancing. And 10 minutes later, there was a barrage of flashbulbs that were going shit. off. Uh, and two SUVs pulled up outside the bar. Channel and then K. like within three, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, it was like the place was packed with people. And here they are. And I found out later that um, Elon Musk was with them. I didn't even know. Because everybody was just like, Kimmy Kanye, Kimmy Kanye, you know what I mean? Yeah. And plus, they just come in this like Meanwhile, entourage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Elon Musk was here. I really would have liked to talk to him, you know? Yeah. And it was Carly Kloss, I think that uh, the the uh, model at the time. And they were had gone to some kind of like icons dinner or something like that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was, I think, I think it was the time when like Kanye was on the cover of Time magazine or something like that. It was twenty. It was like twenty fifteen. It must have been twenty fifteen. Like, how did and, this happen? Like, why? Why? Uh, it, it, they've had some connection to the restaurant. One of the okay. uh, the pro, his producer was an investor in the restaurant. I guess. Did you know and, that at the time? No, I had no idea. But and I didn't even know that because he had been coming up. They had an old out of tune piano on the side of the stage, and so we kind of like mic'd that up. And anytime somebody was around that played piano, they could jam with me and whatever. And it turns out that Mike Dean who's Kanye's producer, is a killer, like, barrel house piano player. Like, killer. He's amazing, you know? Okay. And he's, like, the dude that's been working with Kanye forever, and he gets him the samples, and he does all the, the grunt work and make it happen. Anyway, so he sits down one night and just starts playing this killer blues piano. So I was like, dude, what's up? And he's like, yeah, man, this is my, you know, I grew up playing this stuff. Or I think I think he's from the South. I don't know. But um, so we just, we had a great time. And then after, it was a few 
I knew that he wor worked with Kanye, but I didn't really know or have any expectations, you know. And so sure enough, they showed up. And so that was a wild night. And then the night just grew. And as it grew, I added players. So the players were kind of, um, I got connected with these kind of NYU jazz guys and, and I had a great bass player and drummer. And then they went off and got on these big tours. So then I got these other guys that they kind of knew and then some other guys that they knew and other guys that they knew. And eventually it, it, it evolved into what is now Strange Magic. So um, the drummer has been with me for about, uh, I don't know, four years now, two, two to four years, something like that. I think he's uh, been with me the longest. And then the, um, uh, this, uh, that's Jordan, the drummer, and the sax player, Jeff, uh, plays with Harry Connick Jr. He's amazing, and he tours all around with Harry Connick Jr., so he was on Broadway, and he's been, you know, but of course with COVID, they haven't been touring. So he's been with me like a couple of years, and then um, Megan on bass and Steve Conroy, they've been kind of swapping roles because okay. with, COVID, with COVID, Megan had to take off to see her mother in, uh, I don't know, in the Midwest or something where she's from, Utah. And then um, Sean plays keys with me, but then also there's Jawo who plays keys with me, who plays with um, Sean Lennon and Les Claypool in the Delirium. So they're off touring, right? So yeah. I get it. So I have like three, three different tiers of people that play with me. Tiers is the wrong word, but alt, you know, alternates. Okay. Um, so, um, so yeah. So now we're in the kind of COVID era, which is Steve on bass and um and sean on keys and that's the band you saw was this this show at uh culture lab was this the band's uh, first like quarantine era live show like, well no the um not counting live and, streams but yeah so yeah we um we so we <laughs> I had been I'd done the five the bell rev literally march of 2020 was our five-year anniversary and it was like right in line with COVID, because we played a big show at um, the, what's it called, the Rose Bar at um, uh, Gramercy Park Hotel. We did the Rose Bar show, and that was amazing. And then the next night, like, COVID hit New York, and that was it. So it was like March 10th or something like that. So that was the end of Bell Rev. We were like, okay, we'll take a break, we'll take a break. And then ever since, you know, COVID has come back, we haven't been able to do Bell Rev because they don't really have an outdoor... Uh, you know, ability to have a band outside. So I had been asked by this guy, John Mado, who runs a place called Marshall Stack, which is right upstairs here from the studio. And um, he had been asking me a long time, can you come and play acoustic or like just play on Sundays, you know, like whatever, I'll give you a free beer. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, ah, you know, I don't really need to do it because I have this residency. And we would do other shows too, like Brooklyn Bowl. Like we we were supposed to play Brooklyn Bowl March 29th, I think, for okay. our, it was our big party. And then of course that got canceled from COVID. So, <clears throat> so you know, so I was down here working in the studio, and I would come up, and Johnny they reopened Marshall Stack for some outdoor stuff about in June, I think, end of May, June. Oh, and, oh, okay, okay. You know, so I was like, Do all these windows open? Then <laughs> it's all windows. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Okay, then. How about we do this? I'll put the bass player here, the drummer here. I'll be there, and the keyboard player. So we play in, in the, the windows. windows. You're yeah. that band. You like? Yeah. Do you know that that video like went viral? Do you know that? Oh really? <laughs> no. I, oh, you I, might be thinking of the Brooklyn band. Are you talking? Which are you talking about? The band well, in Brooklyn? Or? I actually I don't you know. know what? You know, it might be a metal band that I saw. Oh, but I have yeah, the seen Brooklyn the setup. thing. Like they were playing in somebody's apartment or something. I don't know. I just remember like 
the each band member in a different yeah. window. And I yeah. thought that is so freaking yeah. cool. Yeah, that was later. But so we started that like whatever the month. So you were like June. the original window <laughs> band. <laughs> well, you know, I I thought for to because I knew people could be outside. So I said, well, you know, and then it kind of blew me away that like all the bars weren't doing this. You know. Yeah. So a few have figured it out, and now there's a lot of different things happening around the city, which I'm really excited about. You know, just in terms of music. But so that was our first full band show, and we did that so we did that in june and then july and then i think like must have been like august one or something the state liquor authority pushed out this thing that said you can't promote live music you can't have a concert music has to be uh incidental to the food yeah right so um the bar was like shit we can't really do you know we can't really do the live music thing we can do like a solo or duo so that because obviously when Strange Magic plays, you know, it's a show. So <laughs> I'm like, right. I don't think I've ever really been incidental, you know, and, and unless against my own wishes, you know. But but it's it, it's it's tough for like a performing rock band to be an incidental music band. So so, so we trimmed it down. Yeah. So that was those were the first few shows. And then, of course, Culture Lab had had contacted me and uh, said, you know, we want you to come out and play this show. And uh, I said, great. So, yeah. So, so how were they able to do it with this law? The uh, social distancing. Oh, okay. But I think there... also there's some wiggle room with the, you know, with I a think a nonprofit maybe. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think they serve food, which is yeah. the number one thing, you know. Um and then you know, they're just vigilant about the social I think I don't really think the the state liquor authority is going to bust you for um you know, for having a band. I think if anything, you know, they're going to bust you for not enforcing the food violation or the, you know, the social right. distancing or the mass. So yeah. Culture Lab was like rock. That was amazing. It was, and and I I do I want to go through this one. Um, so I I came in uh, a little bit late in that I didn't catch uh, I didn't really catch the opener. Uh, really, it was like I came in, got a beer, and it was like you guys. Yeah, we opened with the opener track off. Uh, which is probably good because we kind of messed it up. But it sounded, I saw some recordings and it was kind of okay. But um, this song called Curtain Up, which is the lead off track from 2020. Because that's kind of like the idea of that song is to be a great opener, you know? Okay. Um, And so we opened with that. And then I think we went into Channel T. So you probably just missed one. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, Curtain Up, you said, is like off the new album, which yeah, from 2020 in March. Okay, cool. Right, which you can get on Spotify yeah. and all that, all those places, Apple Music. So immediately, yep, I was very much into it. Uh, loved your guys' style. Um, what did you think of the setup? Like, was was it working out in terms of? I don't know. It was cold. Sound, I mean, we were everybody. You guys were cold, probably right. But I mean, we were cold. And it rem- the funny thing is when you're, as a musician, when it's cold out, your fingers don't move right. like they should, you know? Yeah. So the there was a lot of sort of trepidatious feelings at the beginning of the show because we were all trying to keep warm and keep our hands warm and, you know. Uh, Especially thinking for the sax because, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I play trumpet that, and, like, when your breast oh my God. gets cold, yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. you're just constantly oh, right. like, trying to get Yeah, yeah, it, right. You know exactly. Mean? Yeah. I didn't think about that with Jeff with the brass getting cold, but. Um, but for me as a guitar player, it's like yeah. the neck gets really sticky and like your fingers just don't move quickly. You know, it's like, yeah. you're not the things that you can normally do quickly are just, you've, you know, it's a challenge, you know? 
some people like the challenge, you know, like Jack White's always like, I like a guitar that'll fight me back, you know, (laughs) you know, it's sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's good to have a little challenge or restraint because when you're just kind of unleashed, it's a little like, okay, dude, I can see your, your chops or whatever, you know, it's sometimes good to have a little fight to, to get a little more soul into your playing. I I think honestly, uh, we were definitely not the only people there that this was like, sort of like their first, like plugged like i had seen some a lot of acoustic acts and that sort of thing but this is like kind of the first really plugged in thing yeah. that i was able to catch and it was just like ah um <laughs> and that's where we hit the third song which i i do not have the title of it the notes are really fucking rocked keyboard player <laughs> so good he slaps oh it might have been miami i think we that, went into, go into miami it could probably been. like 10 times as fast as the recorded version we usually do uh, like, yeah, the drum lines were it's just like a so Hendrixy, solid. bluesy rock and roll song. Yeah. yeah, the drum lines were so solid. Like everything about it, the sax. I was, I was really into the the rose gold uh, drum kit as well. It's my favorite color. Oh um, yeah, that was like they hooked that whole thing up. They that was their back line. Oh they really? Did a great job. Okay. I just brought my guitar amp, but they yeah, like Culture Lisa and Culture Lab. Like shout out to Lisa, she did an amazing job like hooking us up. Oh wow! Uh, they're, cool. Yeah, they did super pro, super pro. Yeah, and and so you felt like this the sound engineering was what it needed to be and everything like that. Oh yeah, yeah. They, I was very happy. I mean, rarely are we that happy with you know so, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it, for for me anyway, it was like really coming together. Uh, you know, both um, you know from the audio standpoint, but also just visually. This was the point at this song was when the sun started to come down, and mm. I don't know if how we looked to you guys but you guys looked incredible like the light just hit you just right it's just this I know, beautiful, the light like beautiful. orange I and, believe and it. Yeah. yellow tones golden tones i was just like wow you know uh. just perfectly timed um so and that's that's where i said in my instagram story that like i feel like i just had sex like this was that, this <laughs> yeah. that. That's, sex for the first time that was good that's when i that saved happened. i screenshot it was that, just actually. like everything came together and i guess it yeah. was miami yeah. Um, so, wow. uh, so at this point too, I, I, I have this funny note that you may, <laughs> I feel like I was like, I have to resolve this with David. Um, we were, uh, myself and my friends were sitting pretty close to the front and all of the notes that I'm like have right now, I was taking in the moment and I have, um, at this point, David makes a remark about high tech. Is this about me taking the notes? And I was like, Oh no! Because he's, <laughs> he's gonna think yeah, I'm texting the whole time. And I was like, That's not what's happening. You know, I'm not That's used to funny. doing it like right in the face. And I was just like, Is he calling me out? Like, is this like oh, a no. James yeah, Murphy type moment where like I'm getting? I wasn't so okay. It wasn't personal. Oh, does James Murphy do that? That's funny. well, he does not like you know people like recording yeah. uh, concerts right. all the time, which I understand. But I was just like, I, right. I hope to God these people don't think that I'm just like texting my friends over time yeah, it really was no. like taking down no, what yeah, songs y'all were playing that. and then you know get putting a bunch of stuff up on instagram and whatever so okay so you did not direct that towards me no 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 definitely not <laughs> i was probably talking about lo-fi high i was probably just like a lot of times i, I have this pop staples record you know the staples singers where he's just kind of rolling on between the songs and he's just telling you stories like about what the song not not about what the song's about but just the emotion of you know, they're they're all spiritual, you know, gospel songs, you know, but the way he rolls through the meaning and and continues each song. And sometimes I'll try to emulate that. You I know, like he's, he's that. Brilliant. I like that you do yeah. that. I feel like yeah. it's like you, you kind of take the temperature of the room, but we also get a sense yeah. of where you're at. But it's also a mix of that and like a little 
you know, preamble to the song you're about to go in. It's sort of like a way cooler version of the patter that you would see in like cabaret shows. Do you know what I mean? Oh, cool. It's just like oh, thank you. where I just feel like I get a, a sense of I don't know. It's just how do I put it when 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 a musician does that, it sort of lends itself to feeling very genuine and connected. Right. You know what I mean? As opposed to just sort of like, you know, just. Uh, trucking through each and every song to just sort of like uh, connect with us the audience so i really like that um okay so then i had that you had a ballad i think this one was called gone or she gone is that gone yeah gone yeah Yeah. gone really like that we played that pretty early i I remember yeah uh and i have a note here uh that i found you to be a a pretty good storyteller i really like the story of this song but um it was kind Thank of you. a heartbreaker. Wait, can you just yeah. give me a, a quick rundown of the background of that song? Uh, yeah, just a past relationship. Okay. Just, you know, yeah. It was, you know, just heavy, heavy moment, you know, when you're really, like, when you're really at that, on the brink of sort of, you know, on the brink of a, a dangerous moment in your your health, you know? Be due to the, you know, being too addicted to somebody else, you know. Um, I felt very lo- seen during that song. I was like, very seen. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is very, oh, cool. re- very relatable. Wow, um, you're, you're like my song psychologist. I'm gonna send you like all my songs and be like, what do you think of this? I just kind of be <laughs> like, I felt that, and I felt that, and I felt that. No, uh, it's just, it just, I don't know. I, that that one really resonated for me, and also too, it was just a contrast because things have been pretty upbeat. I'm not sure what you played next. I know there was something bluesy going on. I do have though after that, building it up and tearing it down. Yeah, that was um, probably that one. It up I with like that. that one a lot. And you also, you sent me a. Um, a Burning Man live stream and that one was on right. there. And I really like that song a lot. It really fucking grooves. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's on the Channel T record. It's, um, yeah, my son and I were like jamming here in the studio. There's a whole live room. I don't know if you can see it back there, but uh-huh. can, uh, there's drums back there and stuff. But my son and I were jamming one night and he was learning like when, you know, this was, I guess he was, he's like 17 now. So he was probably 15. Because that record's, I think, 2018 or, yeah, 2019. And um, so we had, I was like, all right, I'm done, you know. (laughs) And Uh he's like, come on, come on, just keep going. And and then I just started playing, like, I was literally done playing, you know. And that's where that riff came from. I started that riff, and then I just did that kind of descending pattern chorus thing. Um, and I, it was kind of a throwaway thing. And then when I listened, we recorded it and I re- listened back to the recording and I was like, oh, this actually works, you know? And it's interesting how that happens. I know like one of the things Keith Richards would talk about is how they would, a lot of times the stones would just be nodding off and then it'd be like, Angie, Angie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or the idea that you're literally like almost you've given up the whole trying to get it right or trying to do it or you're, you've exhausted it in some way or another and uh-huh. then the magic comes you know like yeah. beautiful i think beautiful music and all that stuff it's not so much it's it's rare that it's like this ego thing it's something that comes to you in a in a in a more um you know energetic way you know i think the what is it the buddhists say that ideas are kind of passing us by and the, the 
in the, in the, in the ether. And then they come down and decide they want to be a part of us, you know, as opposed to us making the idea. It's the ideas are out there. And so we just have to open ourselves up to get it. And sometimes the best way to open yourself up to it is to like physically exhaust yourself as a musician and then wait for what comes, you know? It's, it's very interesting that you say that because um, back in my acting days, uh, there were those moments where, you know, there'd be these like weekend long workshops where you'd just be mm. like workshopping these fucking things over and over and yeah. over. And I, and then, you know, it'd be like up to 11 o'clock and then I got to be back there at eight in the morning and I feel like shit and I'm exhausted. And I'm just like, whatever. And I just do the piece and it would be like the best it was. Cause all these little doors, like so, so, to, you know, yeah. metaphorically speaking, were open. And I guess, mm. like you said, receptive to whatever is out there. And I just didn't have the energy to guard myself from it. You right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it just came I mean, in. And uh, and that was, you know, some of the most honest work. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you yeah, you can't really fight it. You just got to you got to be like bend with a reed, like a reed in the breeze, you know, not like a brittle branch cracking off when the breeze comes through right and that, I, I like that analogy of, of of being in the breeze like that because what it often did feel like was like all right i've were i've done the work and i've done the background and i've created the character and uh answered all of the questions you know objective yeah. all, all just acting shit but whatever the point was is yeah. that I was forming a framework and a structure that was just so at a certain point taken for granted that it was like second nature it was like muscle memory and then from there then with that with those roots i was free to be able to like you said like kind of move with the breeze and, and get into what i call flow yeah so, you know that's a that's great that's word, a great place to be and i've never yeah. you know it's like i've never been in a band and i can only imagine how cool it must be to be in those moments where you guys are just all naturally in sync like i just i really envy that i've never yeah. had that experience yeah well the um I mean, I think, you know, we've all had that kind of experience in life in some respect, you know, even if it's with a group of people or something. But the 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 beauty of playing, I mean, the Bell Rev residency in Tribeca for five years enabled me to get to that point with my band. Yeah. And 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 the players, too. I mean, even, um, you know, I got to meet Harry Connick Jr. On, when he and Jeff when he was on Broadway, like what was it like six months ago or more i guess now like nine months ago and and he the first thing he said to me was man jeff has gotten so much better since he's been playing with you he's like i gotta come down and see you guys wow you know which was like the best thing anybody could say i mean he was so he's so nice anyway you know you're just like wow this guy's like super nice you know but he he was like and and he's right i mean i knew that but i wasn't gonna say it to him you know (laughs) and and but the, and it wasn't because of me. It was because like he had that opportunity, that you know that that our music created, you know, and that you know the the show, you know, just the ability to play for three. Because we would do at Bell Rev, we would play for three hours, and yeah. Maybe take a break once, you know. So we would do like hour and a half, two hours, and then take a break. And then play another hour or whatever it was, you know? Yeah, I noticed um, you give the freedom for Jeff to just, like, go off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, so, okay, I have this next song uh, that you played. I have is Low Hi- Low Fi High, uh, and that is Lo-fi off the new 2020 yeah. album. I just remember at some point here you mentioned something about... Uh, what, spending cash on maybe about Instagram models. I feel like you <laughs> something like that, which I was like, that's on you. Um, yeah, and sort of. Don't cool. follow her. Follow us at High yeah. Decibels Pod. <laughs> <laughs> 
because we appreciate <laughs> you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that was uh, you speaking from personal experience. I won't ask, but. I think, like, you know, all guys are dealing with that right now is that because Instagram, again, to make it more sticky, they're pushing the, you know, they're pushing the bikini girls on you, like, constantly. And uh. it's like, whoa, dude, I just want to, like, go and check my messages. And then you get, like, this feed of, like, these, you know, it's just, like, it's out of control, what can you, you know? Do? So, what, what can, can you, you do? do? You, know? you got to click on go it. Go to the profile uh, and scroll. Uh, you know, so, so that's one of the concepts that's in there. I mean, the, the concept of the lo-fi high is that we're like, let's just look at a photograph, for instance. Okay, if you really want to look like it, maybe like, you know, an Ansel Adams beautiful black and white of a mountain, let's say, okay, and you see it in a gallery on a wall, you know, sixteen like whatever size, sixteen by twenty or whatever it would be, you know, like something big, right? And twenty-four thirty-six, maybe something like that. And you just sit there and you stare at that photo for hours because it, it engulfs you. It's amazing. It's a beautiful image. And then you look at it in a posted stamp size on Instagram on your phone and you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen it. You know, so we've come to the point in our world now where those two experiences are considered to be the same, but they're not. You're dealing with a facsimile of that experience. So our culture, the lo-fi high is the facsimile of the real high, you know, and that like we're all living on this facsimile experience in our life. You know? And the facsimiles so, are so easy to move through. That's the other thing. It just be like, you know, the real thing, you take your time with it. But the facsimile, it's like next, 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 just yeah. moving through people <laughs> yeah, or artwork or whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, the third verse, I think, is kind of it's like another message on my phone. Sometimes I wish my friends would leave me alone. I ain't looking for conversation. I need a romantic destination. You know, all these pictures, all these beautiful things. My friends are dining with kings and queens. I'm just a commentator at the gates. I should be hanging with the heavyweights. I got a lo-fi high, you know? And that's the vibe, right? Like, we're looking at these pictures and, like, I'm sitting at home on my, you know, couch, and this person's, like, out dining with kings and queens and, like, swimming in these beautiful pools and... You know, we're looking at this curated lifestyle that maybe that person isn't even in that country at the moment. That was they were there three years ago right. and they're putting it like they're there now. And that's happening all the time or the catfishing thing that's happening on Instagram with people and the face filters and the body slimming filters and all this stuff, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, I'm using a ring light. Is that bad? <laughs> is that tricking you? Listen, you I, lovely, I, would be in, I would be in shadows right now if I wasn't. So deep in the shadows. Yeah, but I, oh, that's the follow up to uh, lo-fi. I mean, to uh, deep in the shadows is my uh, second Trump record. Actually. I would I would be deep in the shadows right now. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I have a little light going yeah, on. Yeah. So okay, it's not yeah. just me. You know, so we're, we're both we're yeah. both cheating no, a little bit. Okay, you got it. You got it. Lighting is important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, know, you got to have light. You got to have light. Um, I have the next one that you did was uh, "Raised on Rock and Roll," which is off that like uh, same titled mm. uh, 2016 album. Very bluesy. Like this is pretty straightforward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I just really dug it. Uh, it had, um, you know, it's moments that, that really hit hard. But you uh, achieved a lot. I noticed this in the music a lot, but particularly in the song with the levels that you achieved, where you bring it down really quiet. And give some opportunities for Jeff and Sean to shine and then uh, building it back up. Um, Really liked that one. But uh, I'm assuming the background of that one is just really about, 
I mean, where were you coming from when you wrote that one? Was that just kind of like a straightforward, like, I just want to write a really good blues tune or like, what what was the deal? I was like, so there was, um, there was a guy named, uh, he's still around, Kel Calco. He's a, a DJ and, um, he, uh. It's funny now with COVID, it's like, I don't know where any of these people are. You know, like there was a whole nightlife thing happening and all, you know, I don't know where anybody is anymore, but, but except if I follow their Instagram or whatever. Um, But the, uh, um, so he had a band and they were all these young, like rock and roll dudes with long hair. And this was probably like 20, must've been like 2010 or something. And, um, they were they were they were cool you know they were they were super cool and they had this whole there was a there was a party called ladyland that was at don hills before don hills closed like right before don died and then they we were doing uh or they were doing this party up at the what's it called the the hudson hotel on 56th right yeah on the roof on the or no it was in like the library i remember that space yeah yeah so and these guys were like these flamboyant, like kind of Victorian-looking rock and rollers. I was like, "What the hell is this?" And and they, it all started down at St. Jerome's. So there was like Gaga was part of that scene, and then she had uh, like her friends like Tommy London, and and then Kel was in that a little bit, and and then um, um, then it it, it she went on to her thing and kind of th- those are like her they call them the Rivington Rebels and there's another guy that um, Brian Newman is a horn player that Lady Gaga's horn player and then he had it now he's got a show and uh, before COVID he had a show in Las Vegas of his own um, and he plays the Rose Bar like all the time when he's here like he had a residency at the Rose Bar anyway all those cats were kind of part of this scene and I came onto it later when Kel was involved and I remember that I had a band in like 2009 or something. And I, we used to, for fun, we would jam like long train running the Doobie brothers, you know, cause it'd be, you know, I love it. you know, and like at that time and nobody was listening to that shit, you know? And so I remember walking into St. Jerome's and Ian Eldorado, this DJ was playing long train running and there's all these like rock and rollers with long curly hair and like hats and like the scarves and I was like what the hell is this you know what I mean and that must have been like 2009 or 2010 and uh and so they started having these parties and anyway so Kel had this band and he was kind of like yeah I got this band and so I wrote raised on rock and roll for him and then he was just kind of like too cool. And, you know, I don't think he, I, I think I may have, like I said, I got this song, you should do it. And I don't even think he ever listened to it, you know? So I had kind of a, and I was going to, I was like, I'm going to, I wrote the verse and I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what the chorus was. And then must've been like two years later that I was on the beach in Montauk after playing like this crap show up there, um, out there, which was, it was just like a, I was doing like solo shows, like touring solo or something, and I played this like dirty rock and roll, you know, in a Montauk dive bar, and and I was on the beach the next day. Probably had like no sleep, and then I figured out what the chorus was at that point, like how to how to go to the chorus, you know. But um, <laughs> previous to that, I had sent it to this like big country artist. Uh, this Americana artist that that I had, I'm not going to mention his name, but I was like, dude, I got this great song idea for a song, and I think we should write it together. So I sent him 
the um I sent him like a little voice memo of me singing the verses, like or just the verse, you know. Um, I was born on the Rolling Stones, Van Morrison's Domino. I was raised on, raised on rock and roll. Jimmy Page and my air guitar, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I was raised on, raised on rock and roll. And he never said anything. And then like three months later, he ends up doing a record writing from the guy with Big and Rich, which is a huge, you know, multi-platinum country artist and releases his record. (laughs) And the lead off song is... I was born on a Rolling Stones. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, I guess it's a good idea. You know what I mean? So then, and his song is like, whatever, you know, it's not, it does, it's not called Raised on Rock and Roll. It's something about trucks or something, you know, it's like a country thing. So I said, oh, well, I guess I had a good idea. So it forced me to, you know, it got my, my act together to write the song. And then, you know, sure enough, that was it. So that's how I finished. But I wanted to do a listing of like, the songs that were important to me mm-hmm. or that it was hard because, you know, you can't pick all your favorite songs, but it's a listing. I like listings, you know, soul crisis is a listing. That's a listing. There's a lot of, um, a lot of my songs are listings because I, I like to list ideas as opposed to tell a story. Sometimes. You must love so, losing my edge. Cause that's just like one long list at the end. That's the LCD sound system song. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just goes through, I, like, I have to listen to that again. I can't recall. It, it is a moment, long but yeah. ass list, but I'm going to figure out who this Americana guy is. And oh, yeah, and, I'll tell you at another Yeah, tell me yeah, another time, can, but yeah. I, I'm sure I you can, can Google the lyrics. I can out, but I love you. Like, up. I think it's about trucks. It's kind of funny you say that because just, yeah. just on a lark, <laughs> I, I decided to uh, I, I do a little bit songwriting here and there just just for fun. Yeah. And uh, I, I decided I was going to write a, a country song for the first time. Oh, OK. And yeah. I was I, I have no interest in it. Uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I realized right. I like all I really need here is some like keywords like trucks America, yeah. blue jeans, mama, yeah, apple pie, beer, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, hayloft, and you know. <laughs> so I just, I just took all those things and uh, I don't know, you know, put together a chorus that could be, you know, belted out to the back of an, yeah. a, an arena and blah 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 right. maybe three chords and i was like done this is good make it out in the hayloft with that apple pie with mama coming down and you know? i also yeah. and i also made That's it a... like a uh not so subtle song about lesbians which um or nice which would never fly and and but i was like but it could because the <laughs> song is just so it was just so uh, mainstream that i was like i think i could slide this in and people won't even notice you know it's like this <laughs> love song but i also i made it palatable cuz it was not, you know it was right. like one of those things like you know like that katy perry i kissed a girl type thing where it's like oh i didn't know that this is what right. i was into <laughs> you know what i mean so and i was like also too it's like if you take that sort of like uh homophobic country audience uh certainly they they can deal with a uh, lady love before yeah. man love yeah so i was like let's start yeah. somewhere let's see if we can uh, sneak this in so i ended it into a songwriting contest we'll see what happens All right, um good. but uh yeah it's very funny that you said this. i think it's a song about trucks and i was like you know <laughs> of, cor- of, of course it was i don't know it just made yeah, me just made me think of that just went off on a tangent there Okay, so I have here a song that you did. Do- it's, I have written down "Dose of Love." Is that actually? Oh yeah, that's yeah, new. yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was getting some like serious David Lee Roth uh, vibes here. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I was like, oh, there's something here that feels a little bit sleazy. Not not a bad way, but oh, was really, but, no, but like, but was just like, oh, that's actually, uh, you know yeah. what I mean, I liked it. I don't know. There's. Uh, 
not much irreverence on that song that I know of, but the, um, the, the uh, it's, was, um, yeah, it's since COVID, I've like, so I've written three new songs that are going to come out. Um, I mean, I've written four or five that are, uh, I'm working on now. So I kind of, that's how I would do a record. I'll do, you know, a one session and then I'll get three or four that I work on for, you know, a few months because I produce and record everything myself here at the studio. So it, it tends to be a little bit of a long process, which I would prefer it not to, but, you know, some, as much as I can, I like to get the band in yeah. and record live and just kind of nail it, you know? But in this case of with COVID, um, I've been doing the tracks myself, and then my son has been backing me up. My son Owen, who's who's become a really profuse musician, that he's um, playing bass and drums on my stuff now. So we're having a lot of fun with it. And then Jeff has been recording sax at his house on his system mm -hmm. and pushing it to me. And we're getting a little past that lock. You know, that obviously we're past the lockdown phase, but a lot of these were done in lockdown. So the 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 production is 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 quite different um but in terms of what i've been so dose of love is conceptually like i feel like that's what we all need right now you know um so uh uh i've been stripped to the bone i can't make it on my own uh, won't you call me on the phone i need a dose of love yeah, honestly, at this point, it was very hard to like really take notes and, and, and keep track because I, I find this at a, a particularly good concert. And especially since it had been so long, I'd been so deprived uh, from seeing live plugged in music that at a certain point, your music just kind of took over for me. This was at the end of oh, this good. first set. And I really was just not in a headspace to really intellectualize anymore or really yeah. keep track of details. and. You know, I, I just, at a certain point, it's like I, I always feel a, when I'm going to do a, um, an episode like this, a, a level of responsibility to, like, stay in the right frame of mind and not get too lost in order to sort of, yeah. you know, uh, guide the show through. But sometimes at a certain point, it's like I'm still human, you know, and sometimes right. uh, the music and, and your soloing here was just killing me. And I was just like, I, I was like, I just want to throw away my phone. Uh, I don't. Anything. I just want to be here in this moment, which is like, well, you know, then why are you covering this? You should just come to the show for enjoyment. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was the thing. It's like uh, I, I this I, I allow myself that, though. I'm like, I'm a human being. And I and when I'm just absolutely carried away in the music and that's why I have no idea what songs you were playing. Um, I just allow myself to uh, to roll with it and go with it. And uh, I, I was I was in a very good headspace at this point. Like I don't know if you realize, like what a gift you give to people, uh, especially Aww, right now so when sweet. oh I'm tearing. Shoot, Aww, I am. I'm, I'm getting sweet. that way. But no, it's, it's such a gift that you. Well, thank you so much. It's a gift that you give to people um, when um, there. I mean, this. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. There really isn't any other uh, experience for me. You know, I'm not a churchy person, really, uh, yeah. where I can go and, and have that sense of community and that sense of mm. uh, of feeling uplifted. And, and music really does yeah. do something to our brains. I read that book, This Is Your Brain on Music, and I barely understood it. But there's definitely like some neurochemical basis here. And uh, and then I got a chance to talk to you, which I was very nervous. So you were very nice to me and I really appreciated that. Um, <laughs> That's sweet. I was. I was nervous. This is a cool rock guy, you know. Um, oh, but, you. uh, I, I don't know how we got into it. But we started talking about like cancel culture 
I was really, I was really <laughs> interested what you had to say about that. You were like, it's got to go, man. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it was a spiritual moment. I think we were having like, that was the beautiful thing that was happening out there. And that, that I think that you're tapping into is that there was a moment there of like, you know, I feel like it's the pop staples moment, you know, where you're, you are like kind of getting the, the tenor of the crowd and, and the, you're getting the vibes and you, you know, it, 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 I think for the first time, and I've had the problem with playing in the windows at Marshall Stack, which I love, is that there's a window in between you and the crowd. And even though it's a window frame, it's still a window frame. So you're getting a, it's a frame of reference, you know, and where you have a different frame of reference where you're looking out on this beautiful crowd and this city in the background and, and these lights are coming down. And by the time it got to be night, they had these amazing floodlights yes, yes. on us that were like super cool, you know, and the pictures are amazing. And the videos from that are amazing. Right. Um, but the, um, there was a, there was a palpable sense of, Hey, something's happening here. Like we're getting, we're getting these people going, you know, and these people are into it and they're, it was, it was a beautiful thing, you know? And, and, uh, and then I'll get like carried away. I think those are the moments for me that really like where the love starts to like translate to me. I was listening to, a. um, uh, uh, listening to a podcast the other day with I think this guy's named Simon Simonek or something and he's like a business like a geek but like very intuitive interesting you know um, self-help kind of guy and he was talking about your why you know like you got to find your why and you got to find that point in your life where that love you felt love like you felt incomplete massive love you know whatever it is it'd be your, with your parents or whatever and those kind of times for me have come in that moment where you're, there's that crowd and then you're, you're, people are with you, you know, and it can be a packed bar. Yeah. It doesn't have to be hundreds of people. It's all about that energy and just packing it in. It could be, you know, 30 people in a small space, but when everybody's feeling it and you're on it, you're on it and the band's going and you're, everybody's swaying and sweating and feeling great. There's something that happens that's bigger than everybody, yeah. you know, that's bigger than the band, that's bigger than you. So uh, we that was it was getting there i it got i feel like it got there you know from and maybe that's what you were feeling at that time is like it particularly like as the night war, got you know it, it, as the, the night grew darker and the lights were coming on and like wow this is really connecting and outdoor shows are always like that you know and i'm so glad you guys were so chuffed from that you know it's like lisa the the promoter was just she was so happy at the end of it and it, it was just it really um, you know, it meant a lot to us because it just, you know, it's rare for a band that we should have more of these things happening. I mean, people were safely social distancing. It shouldn't be about the music um, being a problem. You know, the music is not a problem. Mm -hmm. It's like things that bring people together should not be considered a problem right now. We need we need to, you know, people were very good about wearing their masks yeah. and stuff and like, you know, it, that's all good. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out how we can yeah, do this like thing. You know, being, we can't let COVID completely like strip us. Being from, not together you know. creates its own like set of problems. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that may not be absolutely. as on the surface because we hide them. You had a uh, this one. Um, I just I do I get I don't know the title, but I just remember have this lyric here that stuck with me about saw you hanging by the studio, and I, oh <laughs> yeah, that's so that's the new single that's going to come out. That's called Can't Remember to Forget. Okay, you. I really I, and, I like uh, that one. A lot. That, that yeah. reminded me of like a '70s ballad, like. Uh, that, yeah, so many that. summers long ago, I saw you hanging by the studio. Yeah. You had, you were, uh, there was something in the way you stood. There was poetry in the way you stood. 
There was reggaeton playing in the neighborhood. I have uh, Wonder Wheel. I have that. That that was like very Wonder Wheel. Bowie. Yeah. Uh, ish. Oh, cool. Uh, to me again. Yeah, it's kind of like a. Yeah, it's like a. Yeah, you were just covering all this ground that I was just like, wow, like what can they not do? It was just like always surprising. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, People are always like, "What's your genre?" I'm like, "I don't." You it's know, rock and roll. Yeah, it's. But it's, they're like, "No, no, no! You have to pick one." It's all over the place. Are you yeah. retro? Are you? And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, we're, it's very. Anytime you, if you're in a band now, you're really forced to go down the, 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 the you know, be compartmentalized. Like, and it's that's that can be a, a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a struggle. And also, if you're truly like doing original, you know, an original idea, yeah. you're not welcomed into the community, you know, of, you know, not necessarily people out seeing you play, but into that community of kind of the system of like, okay, we're going to put you on Spotify. You have to pick your genre. Yeah. You know, Humans you're, like you're gonna, categories. We love them so much. We love, do we though? I, I, don't know I was we reading really that somewhere them. in some I, book that it was like, it's a, I think like it's a just thing a way about, about human us. beings, about how we like to like put things into categories. And that's like why, yeah, I don't know. We, yeah, we, we, yeah. Like, that's why we fear people that are different from us and that kind of thing. Cause right. it's like, when we can't put right. labels on things that like freaks right. us out. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's like that with music, you know, and there's, you know, it, it's people like the idea of to be like, oh, yeah, it's blues. He's a blues guy. And like, I'm not necessarily a blues guy. I'm like a purple guy. I'm like yeah. a silver guy. You know what I mean? I like got some other things going on, you know, but I'm always happy. Like last night, a woman was at my show and she's just we just like it when you play the blues and i get that yeah. you know i get that and i and and i think everything i do has the blues in it you know? it's kind of like a jumping off um, point in my mind for you it's like sometimes it's really hard to nail artists yeah. down. i'm like well the jumping off point is this this is a sort of yeah. uh, foundation but there's a lot of other things going on definitely don't box them into yeah. this you know one yeah. genre because there is there really is more to you than that for sure. Yeah, um, I uh, I have after that that you played that song. How do I say it? Don't let the demigod got you down or the demi uh, the demagogue, demagogue yeah. got you, That's get about you Trump. down. Yeah, demagogue. You know, it's you know that that was the um, that was kind of the call to power song for people that, that I wanted to write. You know, I love that song "Volunteers" by Jefferson Airplane. So the it was kind of a volunteers moment for me to to rally people behind it, you know, rally and yeah. cry for, you know, the, 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 I don't think society is going to change until the people change, until we change from mm -hmm. within. Like, the society, you can't change the society by coming in and being like, okay, we're going to change the whole society. Yeah. You know, we've got to change the people and the love, and we've got to, we've got to, um, that's why I'm not a big believer in the whole identity politics thing, is because I think we need to focus more on how we're all the same, as opposed to how we're all different, mm -hmm. because every individual, all your differences are, we're not going to, we want to let you be different. Of course, we're all different, right? But we got to figure out how we're all in this together, you know, and that's what's going to bring the people together in the world. Well, I think, and the yeah. more also, too, I think we just have know. more uh, more in common, you know, those of us who are not wealthy have more in common with each other, uh, no matter how different <laughs> yeah. anybody who's yeah. like extremely wealthy, yeah. it's like, that's who's right. different. You know, yeah, yeah, he was just yeah. like rolling in billions of dollars. I'm like, that's you want to talk. They're different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, divide and conquer and all that, I guess. Well, you know what? Let's put it this way, too, though. Uh, until we do get to that point, um, you certainly have created a lot of good music out of this, you know, 
fury <laughs> to the current state of things like you know songs that probably wouldn't have existed if you know hillary clinton had become president you know what i mean that it's about yeah. you know emotions and you've been, yeah. you've or, been able to you know or bernie yeah. you know like if, if it was a really like beautiful time when bernie was running that that really you really were like wow this guy sang like everything i believe yeah. i just kind of wonder what kind like, of music you would have come out with you know what i mean like where, yeah, uh, yeah. Where you're feeling probably more not content. as good um, yeah Probably not to I say that they want this to last one of those chill <laughs> um, So, okay, then um, the Sympathy for the Devil cover was just... <laughs> it was so good. I'd actually run to the restroom because I was dying at this point. That's probably also why my, yeah. like, my notes were like tapering right there. And I come back, I'm like, really? I missed the first three minutes of this? Like, of course. Like, of course that's what they would do. I'm not mad. Um, but uh, that that was a really good time. Just yeah, thanks for yeah. for playing that one. Oh um, yeah, that's kind of we do a couple covers, you know. It's that and L.A. Woman come out. You know, in terms of like, I think we played a Lightning Hopkins tune earlier as well, like uh, Mojo. Yes, Mojo you Hand. did. I think yes. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. you did. You did. So that was probably one earlier. So like, well, there's a few. People are always surprised. They're like, oh, so you just like play covers? Because I think with you know you, you don't. If you're a musician, my kind of rule, because I see a lot of the kids that are coming up and playing Marshall Stack and doing covers and stuff, I'm like, play your original stuff, yeah. you know? Because if your original stuff sucks, we'll be glad to tell you to go back to Free Fallen, you know? But, like, go for your originals, you know, as much as yeah. you can. And try to – don't, like, give in to people because you think you're going to get more tips or, you know, you're going to, like, pull a bigger crowd. It's like – Play your original stuff. Make your original songs good, you know. And if they're not appealing to people, then, you know, you need to rethink your originals and get your originals happening. I think that, you know, the more that we get focused on just, you know, being good and doing the best we can as a quality, like putting out a quality piece and something that you're going to live with, you know. Like I, when I was in, I was touring in Holland um, in the 90s and... Uh, as a solo artist and and I met and I was always I was an Amer I was a total American guy you know like we have this idea in America of this American dream and the big the big American dream and that you know the rags to riches kind of story or whatever and I remember meeting this who became one of my best friends he still is in Holland this guy Ernie Green and he he said to me you know I'm just making my music for when my kids grow up and he didn't even have kids at that point but he was like when my children grow and I'm gone, that I'll have left an archive of my work behind that people can look at and go through, you know? And that's awesome. Like, that's wow. fucking noble. You know, that's noble. And it just put me at a... And I was working on trying to get a record deal. You know, I was focused on, like, how am I going to get discovered and all that stuff. And when, when all those kind of... Um, motivations when when you're motivated by those things you're not doing your best work you know so you know I, I there's a fine line because obviously like you know david bowie went through a period of like five between space oddity and um and ziggy there was a long period of nothing going on you know what i mean like he wasn't he hadn't figured out who he was until he saw lou reed and iggy do their thing and like, whoa, okay, you know, the, they profoundly changed the Velvet Underground. Profoundly, you wouldn't have like Ziggy Stardust without the Velvet yeah. Underground, right? So you know, you know, w there is some that you got to try and, and hone it and get it in there. You know, like he had to he had to become part of that glam rock thing. 
not this, you know, the hunky dory hippie folkster whatever, um, that he had to become that glam rock god to like be accepted and to to pattern his career, you know, up. Um, so it's 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 a fine line, you know. You're always like, yeah. ah, you're trying to trying to get the deal. Well, it's because like whatever. to your point, uh, the final song that you did, um, uh, I have something here about how you were. I can't. This must have been something you said. I don't think it was in the song, but something about your news feed, and then you said, or saying, I don't know. You don't. This line stuck with me. You don't have to attract the love or generate the love. Just be the love. Oh, and I was yeah. like, that's what I was yeah. feeling. I got time. lost in that song. Do you know which song this was? It was a, the final one you created. I just have like beautiful David and exclamation points. <laughs> 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 I don't know. And I put I love uh, when a band can I, create for lack of a better way of putting it a soundscape. That's what it felt like. It felt like at that time, whatever you were playing in that final song, it felt like being bathed in sound, surrounded by sound. It might have been Twilight. Was I it don't Twilight? know. I don't remember. Off the, off I don't know. I, I, I do remember that moment. You know, I mean, that's one of the things like I'm, a, I'm big into meditation. I'm, I'm a daily meditator and, and um, I've been doing it for years, meditating every day. And, and I, it's really important to me because I, I used to be a big pothead, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I never when I smoked a lot of weed, I would I'd get like all excited and I'd write all these things and I'd have all these like wild like things in my book and all this kind of stuff. And it was always kind of jumbled. And then I would write this like kind of frenetic thing. And 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 then like a week later, I'd be like, uh, I don't even like it or worse yet, like go and record it with my band. And then like six months later, be like, you know, the lyrics really aren't that happening, you know, and it was always the lyrics that were the problem, you know, it was never the guitar playing, or it was always that the lyrics were, there was something too personal, or a chip on shoulder paranoid thing that was happening, or, you know, and it's still like, that's what I, that's the, you know, the, uh, the, the, that's the, uh, what's the word, kind of the, the, you know, that's the elephant in the room when when I'm writing a song is that the personal is it getting too personal? Is this getting preachy? Is this it's really hard to write a song like don't get the let the demagogue get you down yeah. with it or soul yeah. crisis without being preachy. Like, how do you write like a song that's that's political or whatever that that's, you know, trying without being like coming? It's very difficult to to not be on this or you don't want to put yourself as a writer up on this like platform. What I end up doing sometimes is like if I, if I find myself in that predicament is I place myself in the shoes of the person that does not want to hear what I'm saying. And I'm like, what, uh, what could idea. I yeah. say that would make this palatable? Do you know what I'm saying? How do right. I sneak the right. message in? Yeah, um, absolutely. So that it's like less, less my point of view and more how my point of view is. Yeah. Landing. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, so I think the meditation for me was it, it got me into a focusing point where I could really laser mm-hmm. in and, and figure out what I was saying and, you know, getting my getting my thoughts together and a little more of a chilled out. I've always been kind of hyper and up, up, upbeat. And you can tell from playing, you know, people are like, how do you have all this energy to play like for three you hours? Do. You really do. And blah, you know, and it's like but all, a lot of that I attribute to just, you know, always being like face pretty healthy in terms of like i don't do drugs and i don't no more cocaine uh, I kisses bit, huh? but, yeah, <laughs> i know exactly right so the um but the um but the meditation really helped me focus you know and get that focus and uh so that's what i'm talking about is like 
you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, generate the love. You don't have to, uh, you know, attract the love. You just have to be the love. And that's like the idea of abundance is like when I meditate, I meditate upon abundance. And a lot of the gurus and stuff will tell you, well, you want to generate or you want to attract that abundance. And for me, it's just about opening up and just accepting the abundance in the world because the abundance is there for cool. everybody, you know. And like to focus on abundance for yourself, you don't have to, you're, you're worth it. Like you're, you know, what, who you are, it doesn't matter if you're, if you, if you're, you know, Joe, Bob, Ted or Linda, man, you're like, that's it, man. It's all, we're all, we all get it. You know, everybody gets it. You know, even Trump gets it, you know, like that's the thing. I was just like, no matter if you hate him or you love him, he's still worthy of the abundance. We're all worthy of it, you know, and it's how you tend to. You, you, we have to accept that, you know, and in in that way, I think, um, you what we focus on our thoughts are things, right? And what we focus on in our thoughts is manifested in our life. So, any way that we can do that in a positive sense for ourselves is a better thing. And that's that's just at that point where I was saying that it was like I was feeling it because. I remember looking over and I, it, I don't think it was you, but there was a, a woman off to my left that was like, just like this. Yes. Yes. She was like nodding really heavily and like, like she was yeah. into it, you know, but I don't, you were in front I of was, me, right? Yes. Or you were, yeah, yeah. So this was a woman off to the left and I was, remember seeing her just bouncing and bobbing and getting that, you know, and it's like, I don't know when I'm going to say those things, but it's, de it's definitely, I'm not going to say it at every show. It also makes me very happy to hear you say that you also felt like you were getting something from us, that it did feel reciprocal. Oh, yeah, of course. You Come know, on. that it was you a two-way awesome. two street. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. so that's, that's always what I'm curious about. Like when I do this type of episode, just like, how was that for you? What did, was that experience like for you? Were you still cold at this point? <laughs> Uh, we actually, I think, uh, maybe Jordan, uh, the drummer was pretty chilly. Yeah. I don't, we did, I only had like, I was wearing like a velvet blazer yeah. and I, I never, once I was at that point of playing all that, it goes away with yeah, the Yeah, I was kind of thinking the, that. But I think for, for, and also when you're singing, you, you tend to generate a lot of uh -huh. body heat. That's why singers always get sweaty and BB King's got the towel and, <laughs> you know, it's like, but when you're outside, it was like, it was pretty much like the first i think below 70 day it was like yeah, in the 60s it was wasn't chilly. it like in the yeah, low like, 60s and it was yeah. breezy it may have been like high and we 50s were by the water i think it was too. high 50s and we were by the water so it was that chill was coming through and it was the first time and you know it was yeah it was getting there but i'm so glad that you guys had yeah, a good time yeah i didn't feel it, it. Didn't you guys you actually like you oh, said God, you went way over time and i could tell that it was making the organizer a little bit nervous like he was like well no he came huh? up to us and was like i want you just keep oh, playing oh really was he okay yeah. okay because I remember at the end, uh, the final song that you had, uh, the very final one, I, I think uh, it sounded like a country song to me. I, d I don't know what it was. It was probably Cocaine Kisses. We usually that was, with that. was that I don't it? know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. If I listen through to my recordings, I may be able to find it. But again, I was so scared. Yeah. These are, when, when the things get really vague, uh, that means I was so lost in the moment that I just Good. couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't take a note anymore. But uh, yeah, I do recall them saying like one more song, one more song. The guys, like, okay, we have to go. They won't let us do this anymore. You know that sort of right, dad right, moment. Right. But uh, yeah, super, super great set. So um, 
so the people know if they want to like see you in the future like are there opportunities to see you play uh in the near future or do you have any leads on places where people can go to see bands yeah, i think that, people want to well, see stuff uh, Wow, I know. Well, Marshall Stack is going to happen, I think, the 20... What's the date today? Today is the... Okay, let me just... Oh, uh, well, hold okay. on. I got it. Okay, so I think the next Marshall Stack is the 17th. Okay. So that'll that's a Saturday. It's a week from Saturday. A week from... So two weeks from yesterday. But the, and what's the, the setup there? That's um, it's me and Spada, Sean, the, the piano Okay, player. but I mean, like, where is the and audience? Like, how is it... The audience is in the pen. You know, they call it the pen okay, on the street. Okay, in the pen. You know, and you guys the... are in the windows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, also, there's some tables on the sidewalk as okay, well. Okay, cool. So they're going to have, um, I think they're discussing heaters and how they're going to do, like, the propane heaters, or maybe there's going to be some electric brought okay. out. They're figuring it all out. I think the 20th, 17th and 23rd at Marshall Stack is the plan, right? Okay. Now. And um, do you do you have any recommendations uh, of this places in general or where people can go to see music that you've really enjoyed i've thrown a few out on the show but i'm sure there are many that i that i'm not aware of yeah the, there's very fun Tompkins square park okay. um is really fun um there's a bunch of bands playing there my son's band has been okay. playing there um there's a band called pink louds there that's a lot of fun and to um uh they're playing on like saturdays Tompkins square is great there's and there's a guy called charlie crespo you can follow on facebook who um he's he's like running i love this guy because he's he's going from venue to park to venue to park all around the east village and finding like where the live music is what and what's his name on facebook that's been really encouraging charlie crespo c-r-e-s-p-o it's a good because yeah, people have been asking me, and I was like, I'll see what I can tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, people have told me there's like all these like rave parties in Bushwick kind of thing. With, oh like, yeah, there's DJs one going on stuff, right now that, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But you know, it's like, all right, guys, come on, let's get some bands. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Like TVI has a rooftop. I don't know why they're not having bands. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the the thing that is the club has the thing. The, the great thing about Marshall Stack is they stepped up to the. They figured yeah. it out. They're like. We're going to hire people to play. You know, we're going to throw some dough, you know, and, and it's not it, a lot of money, but like the, the club has to step yeah. up and say, and it's hard because they've all gone through, you know, four months of not being able to run their places and five months, what is it, six months now? We're six months into this, but um, they lost a lot of money. So, but they have to step up now and say like, hey, we're going to have an acoustic act. figure you know? something out, yeah. And But the strange thing is that most of the places that are doing this are not the music venues. Yeah. You know? So if I wish, you know, that's my hope is that the music venues come um, come out and, and show that they really are music venues and supporting the artist, you know, and, and like let the artist play on their doorstep or whatever the hell they have to do. You know, it's not that hard. That's the thing. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, but they need to, you know, come up with a little help to help the artists and pay them a little bit of something. And then the rest is tips. I mean, you've got like Lenny Stern and Mike Stern playing on the streets in New York city. You've got jazz artists that are, you know, won Grammy awards that are playing on the street. I mean, Lenny, uh, Lenny K from Patti Smith played in his windows the other day on second street, you know, on like near first Avenue, apparently. Like I didn't, I know Lenny, but I didn't know he was doing it, but, but, um, you know, the, 
you got amazing musicians that are willing to play on the street now. So let's like let's step up to the plate. Yeah. You know? So that you can also have a because all it does is just it just raises the consciousness of the neighborhood. Yeah, you can have a drink, <laughs> you can do your fun and party, you know. But it's like let's bring the music back because people do really appreciate it, and especially in a time when DJs have seemed to take over the world. It's yeah. great to, that when people are realizing and everything you said. You know, the experience that you're having watching this live music and having that visceral yeah. experience is just, you know, it's that's it's what it's incomparable. all about. It's, and uh, I feel like yeah. we're getting to that point really quick where we're going to realize like we just have to figure something out and bring this back. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I have really kept you for a long time. Uh, we just got really ah, into it. Fun. I want to just thank you again for like taking the time to talk to me about this. We get a sense of, of your music and everything. And, and honestly, this just gives people hope to feel like, all right, someone is out there. Someone is, you know, stuff is happening, you know, on a smaller scale. Um, but not all is lost. Uh, so it's, it was really cool to, to be able to talk to you about all of that today. Well, thank you. Same for me. Thanks for having the interest. And, you know, it means a lot to us as a band, too, that you're supportive. Thank you. Again, that was David Patillo of Strange Magic, who was so kind to come on and talk with me. And I've linked to Strange Magic in the notes so you can find the band stuff. Uh, closing out here, guys, as you can gather, there are places to see live music. What is that going to look like as the weather pulls down? I'm not sure. But what I do know is New York is resilient and ways will be found. I mean, I did in Philly. Uh, with James, actually, in the middle of January, and that was years before COVID, and New York can do whatever Philly can, so let's throw on her coats and get together. I understand. We're also thinking about safety. But uh, unless you're a non-concert attending friend who is giving me a listen because I begged you, you'll get what I'm about to say and feel seen. Now, go to what your comfort level is, of course, but I want people to understand that what people who don't give a shit about concerts just call partying those of us who have a passion for live music uh, and DJ scene live see it as so much more not everyone has family not everyone has a partner not everyone has a church for some people being at a show really is like having a family and a partner and a church all rolled up in one it's communal it's uplifting. It's a place to be inspired and seen and connected in ways that you just don't get over a camera, and I cannot describe the feeling. There's a reason why we've been banging rhythmically on shit for millions of years as part of our most important gatherings. Live music just hits the brain different, and you know it's true. I'm getting a bit small to hear, but that's important for our long-term health, too. And then you ask them, who else is playing, or where are you playing, and whatnot really is about networking and getting to know people. I also know someone is usually playing in that area around McCarran Park in Williamsburg on Berry Street on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, head out around 9. Uh, Band King Crash will link to it. I've been trying to catch them, but just hasn't worked out yet. They've played uh, that street on weekends. And also Transmitter Park at times, which is up in Greenpoint. Uh, around that area, 
uh, McCarran Park, that is. You might also catch uh, Shaghorns. We'll link to them. That's a brass band that plays around Williamsburg. They take requests. I got a great version of No Diggity. No doubt. You just have to follow these bands, like I said. Uh, follow Industry City. They feature jazz trios from time to time on weekends, more like around 6. Uh, check out Park Life and Park Slope. They've had bands. Uh, Marshall Stacks, as David had mentioned, uh, will feature bands. Uh, Grand Army Plaza on the weekends. Again, that's just sort of a hit or miss. You go up there. People are congregating, hanging out. You'll see music played up there. Coney Island Bard, uh, Boardwalk as well. Uh, Stoop Music Brooklyn, um, they also have an Instagram. They have uh, small acoustic shows in front of a brownstone. It's uh, acts akin to Wild Birds, I'd say. And Formate here, also Washington Square Park. There is live music to be heard, friends. You just got to know where to look. Links are in the show notes. Follow these bands and venues on Instagram. That is the path. And that goes for EDM too, y'all who I have to say is making a very impressive showing during this time. Uh, I think we're looking at a resurgence here, but that's next time. Again, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, at High Decibels Pod. Uh, send a DM on Instagram. Tell me what you thought of the episode. Tell us that you missed the hell out of James' voice. Tell us whatever you want. And tell your friends about us. Tell your friends. We are closing out with Building It Up and Tearing It Down by Strange Magic. This has been another episode of High Decibels. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Eternity.